Welcome to Pathways. I'm Randy Rutkowitz, and today we're meeting remotely with the PhD trained cancer molecular biologist who has taken many elements of that training and applied it to a very popular and growing industry in the United States. And that industry is craft brewing. Dr. Andrea Bello received her PhD in cancer biology, molecular biology, and genetics at Wayne State University in 2011, where she worked on amphiregulin an epidermal growth factor in terms of EGFR signaling. In 2012, during her postdoctoral training at the Leroy T. Canolis Jr. Cancer Research Center, which is part of the Eastern Virginia Medical School, she served as a scientific consultant at Smart Mouth Brewing Company in Norfolk. She helped them learn how to integrate science into the brewery. From 2013 to 2015, Dr. Bela was the Quality Assurance Quality Control Manager for the Maui Brewing Company. She then moved on to the Melvin Brewing Company in Alpine, Wyoming, where she currently serves as the Quality Assurance Laboratory Manager, taking the steps from PhD student to postdoc and then to Quality Assurance Manager at a brewery is a story for which Pathways is all about. Let's find out what took Andrea down this path. Andrea, welcome to Pathways. I can see behind you some equipment. So you're in your lab, clearly. Yes, I am in the lab today. All right. In your current position, you're a quality control manager. What exactly are your responsibilities? And, and tell us what a typical day looks like for you. So um, the greatest part about being a quality manager is there isn't really a typical day. Um, I mean, standardly, I know what I need to get done, um, but it can change any second based on any issues or fires that need to be put out in the brewery. Those are, of course, metaphorical fires. Um, so anyways, uh, basically, though, the first thing I start to do usually is I come in and I collect samples to run vicinal diketones. Uh, these are things that cause butter-like flavors, which are very common in Chardonnays, but really uh, an off flavor for beer. So it's usually how I start my day, and then I grab samples for cell counting. So we count cells every day on all of our actively fermenting beers. Um, then we'll just run some tests, depending on what the day is. We'll be doing water analysis. We check boiler water. We um, do beer characterizations. So we measure bitterness. We look at free amino nitrogens and polyphenols, so different proteins, um, basically things that cause haze or things that we can um, measure to look at raw materials or to like uh, test the raw materials. Um, but this is kind of like in a nutshell. Uh, there's a lot of sensory that's involved, obviously. So definitely tasting beer every day, which sometimes it's flat and uh, not totally fermented. So it's not always fun tasting, but we do definitely taste beer every day. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, as a manager too, there's of course, just like uh, if you're in a postdoc or if you're in a professor position, there's meetings, lots of meetings. So, all of those things. So you're at the Melvin Brewing Company. Tell us yeah. about it. So t tell us about the Melvin Brewing Company. So, Melvin Brewing Company is a small craft brewery that started brewing in December of 2013. Uh, we are kind of a unique brewery, not only because we are located in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, um, we are in a town of 800 people, so it's uh, kind of a rare thing to have, you know, a 20,000 square foot uh, industrial building in the middle of a small town. Uh, but basically another weird thing about us is that um, they did start with a laboratory. So when they first started hiring, they hired Dave Chichura, who is our head production brewer, uh, facilities manager, uh, Skyler, and then they hired myself as the quality manager which when I was looking at jobs was very interesting because most people um, start out really small, like, you know, one or three barrel, seven barrel system. 
and then move up slowly into a bigger facility and grow, you know, at a, at a slower, slower pace. But this brewery was about quality right, right away. And so they um, sought out someone like me who had, um, you know, I had some experience in Maui and I had um, experience in the laboratory through my training as a poster, as a PhD student. Um, and so, yes, Melvin's just, uh, we're kind of all about um, good beer, hoppy beer and uh, Wu-Tang and Kung Fu. <laughs> Well, let's take a step back. Let's go to the very beginning. Tell us a little bit about how early it was when you realized you liked science. As I like to ask Pathway guests, when were you bitten by the bug? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think I was bitten by the bug for real, probably when I was in about sixth grade. Um, I right away started doing um, like science competitions. So I was in science club and I would go to the competitions and uh, I think that's when I knew that I was going to be in a science field. Tell us a little bit about those science competitions. What kind of projects were there that, that were you know, on the table? There were a lot of things like it was like physics, biology, chemistry. Um, so like I know I did things where like you build a bridge, you know, um, and see how much weight your bridge could hold. And we did things like, you know, putting the egg in the egg carton, seeing who, how hard you could drop it before your egg would break. So things along that line um, is what I was competing in. So we, you went from your interest in science as a sixth grader and you got more and more into science. Yeah, so basically, um, so then from there, um, you know, I went to, you know, throughout high school, I thought I was going to be um, an MD. So I, um, like right away, I think that's what kind of everyone goes to college for, right? So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, so went to undergrad, uh, did you know, pre, pre-med program. Um, and then unfortunately, um, I had lost a really good friend to cancer in 2004. And at that point I had been applying to medical school and I was doing secondary applications. And I realized that I wanted to cure cancer to, um, not today as an MD, but tomorrow as a scientist. So my, um, you know, it just kind of went from there. And then I ended up being really fortunate enough to apply to uh, Wayne State's medical or Wayne State's uh, cancer biology department or cancer biology course or whatever um, am I trying to say cancer biology um, program. So the thing was in 2006 it was there weren't actually a lot of just cancer biology programs like I think there are nowadays um, even though it's not that long ago. But it basically I had to be associated with another program. So I was in also um, pathology department and then I got my minor in molecular biology and genetics. But with the general department of cancer biology. You were a research assistant. Where did that sit in your training? Was that right, it was right before you went to graduate school? So that was actually, I started doing, um, that was organic chemistry. So I um, worked in organic chemistry lab my, I think it was my junior and senior year of undergrad. And that was, um, you know, to get, get in the lab, make sure I liked it, and also, you know, prerequisites to get into um, medical school. So you walked through the door in graduate school in 2006, and I'm at Wayne State, I'm in a cancer biology program, I want to do what I can to help cure cancer. Where did you see yourself 20 years down the road? From right now? From then. Oh, from then. I think from then, so I did originally choose to do this because I wanted to stop the practice of chemotherapy. So if I go from day one, graduate school, I walked in there thinking in 20 years, I'm going to have, I'm going to be a professor, I'm going to have done my job and prevented the practice of chemotherapy in some way. 
or, um, I mean, that's really what I thought I was going to do, which is um, still, I think, a very cute but naive thought. Um, and so I really did think that I was going to be, that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought, I, didn't, I don't think I understood what grad school was all about and what being a professor meant and um, all the grant writing that's involved and everything, um, just as far as where you live and what you do. When you, when you are a professor at university. So, but I think that's originally what my first thought and plan was to do. As you went through graduate school, you know, day by day, year by year, when did it hit you that maybe that kind of route maybe wasn't the best for you, at least at, at that time? Right, so I think, um, so here's what happened. So I started grad school I did my first year, then I found my lab, I started doing my research. Um, I found it very uh, exciting and I did like working in the laboratory and I liked discovering. Um, but that was my third year of grad school is when I was like, I'm not sure I really want to do this anymore. Um, it kind of was that time, it was 2008, 2009 during the decline of the economy in the US. And um, their funding obviously for, um, for research was cut back significantly and it kept getting right the the percentage of people getting grants was getting less and less and less and there was a woman across the hall who i worked with closely and um she like just it's watching her struggle i mean she got she was um you know i watched her not only be um stressed out just just knowing that she was stressed out but she was like physically stressed out and emotionally stressed out and it was like just in order to feed her family she had to you know, get a grant basically. And I, that's when I realized I didn't want to have to rely on grant money to have, you know, to continue my career and to be able to afford the lifestyle that I wanted to have. So then what'd you do? So I finished grad school because I, you know, I wasn't going to quit. Um, I didn't, you know, so I, I worked really hard. I finished in about four and a half years and then um, I took a break and I backpacked for a while. See, I took a break and I backpacked for a little bit and then I went and lived in Baltimore and hung out there with my sister and then I was like, okay, it's time. Time to, it's time to figure out what you're going to do here. And so I applied for a postdoc um, at the University of, or the Eastern Virginia Medical University where I started my postdoc. Um, and then there is when I found Smart Mouth Brewing and I was just, you know, new to town. I, I, I loved craft beer and there was a new brewery opening so I just walked in there and I was like, hey, work in the tap room, sling beer on the weekends. That's what I started doing. And then the um, head brewer there, Greg Papp, was like, oh, you're a scientist. Do you think you could help us set up a lab? And I was like, interesting. Yeah, I think I can help you there. And so I taught them how to count yeast and really do some basic stuff, like even just using pipettes and things that I always took for granted, you know, as a scientist. And uh, from there is when the light bulb went off. I was like, hmm, beer, scientist. And this is interesting. So I... Um, went online and actually Greg also knew that I had production brewer at this brewery I was looking at in Maui and I went online they were hiring so I sent in a resume to see if I was even marketable and literally I think it was like two or three weeks later I was hired and I think no more than two weeks later I sold all my things and moved to Hawaii. You didn't even have to interview I mean in terms in person? They... Nope no in-person interview. They asked me like do you want to do an in I mean did they ask me? I don't remember if they did. I know this company asked me if I wanted it in person, but um, no, it's just a Skype. Nowadays, you know, you don't need to, you can kind of get an idea of who someone is, right? Sure, we, we do that all the time for graduate students who are international or can't be here on site. Exactly.
So, um, yeah, they, uh, there was like a primary interview, which was like a questionnaire, about 20 questions they asked me about beer and if I knew anything about it. I mean, because I am, you know, because of my training, I, I know how to, I'm resourceful and I know how to find information. And so I got books and read and figured it out and was like, okay, here's, here's why you don't want oxygen present when you're fermenting beer, you know? So, and then they interviewed me and over Skype and over the phone a couple of times and then, yeah. It was really quick. It was kind of impulsive, but that's kind of who I am. So. But you got to where you're at to learn a lot of things. Could you tell us a little bit about how you used your graduate education at the Maui Brewing Company and, and maybe a little bit about how you're using it now? Yeah, I will. So definitely um, what I always tell people, even like the reason I was marketable is that I'm like, I am a scientist and I know how to learn. So wherever situation you put me into, I can adapt um, all my skills to learn new techniques. I don't need, you know, I can pick up an SOP or any type of, you know, assay or method and I can read it and I can, within one or two tries, you know, if it's basic enough, you know, you can figure it out and you can troubleshoot. Like I have troubleshooting skills. I just have like, basically what the PhD gave me was the ability to learn and the ability to apply those um, tools that I got doing Western blots and doing PCR and cloning and, use those um, tools to adapt them to other, you know, to other tools, to other techniques that need to be done. So that really helped me. Um, also, you know, I didn't think about this before, but um, having to do seminars all the time and talk to people made my communication skills really nice, you know? So I was able to communicate really well with the team um, and communicate science well to people. And probably um, the hardest part is putting actually thing into more of lay terms because I was so, I just, the way I talk about things is, you know, when you were a scientist, you are more, um, you think you use different words, you know, just, just different verbiage, you know. And so just that was maybe something that I had to learn to adapt a little bit. But um, definitely, I always say the PhD just gave me the ability to learn and adapt to any situation I need to be in. So in, in terms of your being able to talk to folks where you were even talking in lay terms, and you said your scientific training, your PhD training, where you had to give seminars and give other maybe short talks that gave you the opportunity to practice speaking to people. When you did that for the first time, let's say in graduate school, were you shy giving talks? Were you a little apprehensive, or you had no problem? You just jumped right in and went for it. Um, I mean, I think that I think I appeared I had no problems. I um, I think that it came off. I, I have, um, I felt very comfortable talking. I feel comfortable talking in front of a large group, but I mean, I was definitely anxious. I mean, I think I was anxious all the way up to my dissertation, you know, like every talk, there's always a little anxiety, mainly because there's people a little smarter in the room than you, and they're going to ask you, you know, some really good questions likely. So, but in general, as far as I'm um, being able to talk in a group, I, I've kind of been able to I took a communication class in undergrad too, so it was always something I kind of worked on, making sure I could communicate well with people. Well, I will say that when you defend your dissertation, you're the smartest person in the room because you know more about that subject than anybody else at that time. True. So, in terms of your current job, how did you find a job at Melvin? How did I find it? Yeah. Uh, so I was in Maui and I have, um, you know, family that lives in the, in the mainland. And so I was ready to come back and I, um, just went online and was looking and 
I was also like the bigger breweries, like Sierra Nevada's, New Belgium. They don't they don't put out into the interweb. Like there's Pro Brewer and there's different websites that you can go to Brewers Association to find brewing jobs. Um, but so I went to a couple of bigger breweries and looked at those and looked at positions available. And then um, I found this one on the Brewers Association. And um, yeah, I just applied for it and I applied to this job. I also applied at Sierra Nevada actually. So that was a fermentation scientist position. And I was like, this is a job. This is what I was meant to do, you know, like scientists, this is right. And then when it came down to it, I chose Melvin because um, such a unique experience and to be able to live in, you know, the middle of the, Alpine, you know, middle of in Alpine, Wyoming, in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, south of the Tetons and Yellowstone National Park. And that's like one of the coolest opportunities. I was like, okay, Chico, California will always be there. Right. But like Alpine, Wyoming, like nobody gets to live here and have like, a, you know, a decent job and do what they love, which is science. So it was just such a unique opportunity and I, I just couldn't pass it up. So you mentioned your interest in, in certainly can being connected with academia. What kind of opportunities do you have to maybe spread out a little bit where you're able to work in the brewery, but yet still have some contacts with, with uh, academia or academically related types of uh, organizations or institutions? Right. That's a really good question. And actually, um, I hope that most people will be happy to know that I have a lot of opportunities to connect with people um, in academia and in um, associations involved with science. So there's an association for brewers um, or chemists called the American Society of Brewing Chemists, which I'm a part of. Um, I actually just submitted an abstract um, in relation to dry hopping and these medicinal diketones that I speak about or spoke about. Um, so that is a huge opportunity and I love it. And I love that Melvin Brewing Company allows me to do that and reach out and um, be more, like be the scientist that I am. That was really important to me when I took these jobs. Was, you're hiring a scientist, you know? So the ASBC has been awesome. I go to those meetings every year. You get to meet scientists just like you. Um, there's plenty of people out there that have masters. Um, I haven't met too many PhDs, but definitely people have masters that are in the um, quality brewing world. And then um, in addition to the ASBC, I also just applied for a grant with, um, or not, well, I'm a collaborator on a grant for the University of Wyoming. And so we're doing some research just to do some um, basic genotyping on yeast and kind of looking at small molecules too, hoping to identify um, the, you know, different changes when you dry hop or, you know, adding, adding you know, certain amounts of yeast and all those different little projects that are associated with that grant. So I fully intend to, you know, when I have more time right now, we're pretty much a startup brewery, but as this company grows and I hope they'll um, grow in, with the direction that I want as well as far as science goes, I totally plan on writing grants and trying to get money funded for the lab. So that way we can continue to do more fun research. Cause the thing is, in grad school, it was like 90% of what you did didn't work, right? And then 10% did. And so that was like the 10% was fantastic. But then here, it's like now maybe like, you know, 10% of what I do doesn't work and 90% does. So it's kind of shifted. And I really like, um, I, I don't know, I kind of wish it was a little more like 70%, 30%. Because it it's nice now not having every day be a struggle and, you know, um, having more success daily, but it's still fun to discover and have, you know, oh, that didn't work, and then find little serendipitous things. You're like, oh, this might be because of that, and let's research this, you know, so um, there's, 
there's still a lot of opportunity here, which is really nice. Now, you talked about the scientific meeting, it was Beer Chemist uh, Society. You have a Beer Chemist certification. What What is that, and, it, and is it required in your current job? Yeah, so actually, um, currently, I no longer have that certification because you have to be in a laboratory that has the equipment that's capable of supplying you with the certification, but it's called the TTB, which is the Tax and Tobacco Bureau. And so essentially, it's kind of cool. There's only, well, when I was in Maui, we were certified because the only piece, I'm missing one piece of equipment here to be certified here. But um, uh, you have to pass like a test too, which is, it's not that hard. But anyways, um, you also have to have 30 credits in chemistry, which I think where most people don't apply for it, because it's a lot of credits to have. You basically have to be a PhD or a master's in chemistry. So anyways, uh, aside from that, uh, basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to test alcohol uh, for any brewery, for your brewery or for any other brewery, essentially, um, to make sure that it fits within the tax bureau. So if you have high, like, you know, a 10% beer is taxed differently than a 5% beer. And so if you're saying my beer is 5% and they go out there and test your beer and it's 8%, it's like, hey, you're not paying the proper taxes on this alcohol. So that's basically what the certification allows for. Yeah, just watching the the uh, the tax man, so to speak, yeah, to make sure exactly. that you're you're following yeah. the rules and following the, following the laws. Another cool thing, actually, was that um, another well, I got an award recently in Maui was um, for women in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, so STEM. That was pretty cool because I think um, someone recommended me. I think based on the fact that I did have a unique job and was kind of people were seeing me in the community, and so um, that was kind of exciting to inspire young women to go into our field. Uh, I think that's that's great. I'll say in terms of women brewers, there is a a brewery north of Indianapolis called Scarlet Lane. The owners and the brewers are are women, and nice. it's a great uh, great variety of beers there as well. You talked about how much you liked studying cancer and cancer biology and thinking about cures. Had you ever thought about maybe one day even going back to, to, to cancer research? Or are you pretty much where you want to be? No, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I do see myself, I can see myself in about five to 10 years from now. I don't see myself going back to cancer research, but I do sometimes think about it. And I do know that it's not out of the question. And I feel like I can always go back to it if I want to. Um, I feel like if anything, I would probably branch out into like doing food science or, you know, going into something kind of more similar, maybe like leaving beverages per se, you know, and going into maybe doing food research or something like that. But I mean, right now I am really happy in the brewery and I do, because I'm still learning so much. Like as soon as I stop learning is when I get bored. So that's like my thing. I love to learn. And so I do imagine for a while I'm going to stay here. I would like to... I see myself like writing books and maybe even becoming a professor one day, but maybe in beer science, you know? So none of those things are out of question. Doors are still open. That's really important. Do you have any suggestions for somebody who's really teetering, say a graduate student or even a postdoc, who are thinking about non-academic career paths, possibly? What should they be thinking about from your perspective? I mean, I really think that, especially if you're in grad school right now, you should really be thinking about how you can become right now the most educated and have the most techniques and have the most skills 
So that way when you do get out and you're not sure what you're going to do, you have so many options. You know, the more you get, and it's not a bad thing, I guess, but if you get stuck doing one assay all the time and constantly doing one thing, like just doing cell culture or something like that, um, you're going to find yourself maybe pinholed. I feel like you really just need to make sure that you're branching out, doing different experiments and following leads and trying to do as much as you can. So that way you can troubleshoot and you can adapt and you can, you know, have a different set of tools. That way you can learn in your new job. Has anybody, when, when you went to grad school with, did they go off to a non-academic career path as well? And in what areas did they go into? So I was thinking about this and most people that I know, I kind of was taking a look. Um, most people I know are still in biomedical fields for sure. And, you know, working a lot of people, some people are in pharmaceuticals, some people are in small biomedical companies, um, you know, definitely some people at the NIH and stuff like that. But um, I realized my, my college, um, uh, my grad school roommate, Emily, she um, ended up going to wine chemistry, which I thought was quite ironic. So I was like, you're a wine chemist, I'm a beer chemist. Like, how does this happen? But, um, and then, you know, even there's a, a guy who I didn't actually go to school with, but he um, is a quality manager at a brewery in um, Colorado. So I really don't know as far as outside of, I mean, it's kind of funny, a wine chemist, like I said, outside of this, like, I don't really know anybody else who's gone into um, so many different alternative careers. I'm really interested to see this um, whole series of pathways because I'm interested to see what other people you're interviewing and what other people have done with their degrees. Yeah, it's, it's quite diverse and, and we're, we'll be happy to share them with you certainly. Is there any question, Andrea, that I didn't ask you that you think I should ask you? Um, okay. um, I mean, I think that what people need to also like understand is that um, with leaving academia, it's a different set of, um, it's like academia was a time when I got to kind of make my own schedule um, per se. You know, you, when things were good, I'd work 16 hours a day. When things were slow, I would take a few days off or work four hours or, you know, something like that. And now like, you know, you're in, I'm in the real world. Like I have like, I need to be here, especially people rely on me. It's like, I really have to be here, you know, every day. And I have to request time for vacation. Not that you didn't have to request time in grad school, but it was just way more flexible. And so this is much more not flexible, <laughs> much more unflexible, which is fine too. Um, you know, I always had a, you know, I always like to work. So I worked just as hard as I did in grad school, but um, and then like pay is obviously different, you know, um, for every person, you know, you're going to choose, I never wanted to go into big pharmacy or into any pharmaceuticals. Um, money wasn't one of the driving factors for me. So that's something people need to think about too, you know, when you're taking alternative career paths, um, there's some that pay really big and there's some that are quite small. <laughs> I think in the end, you want to make sure that you're happy. I mean, absolutely. Like, that's what has been, I feel so lucky that I've been able to live in Maui and now I live in Wyoming and I get to have good jobs and I get to do what I love. And, and yeah, I don't have to live in a big city. That's one thing too. Like, I think we talked about is that, um, live, you know, when you're working at Jamie, you have to realize like, yes, there's definitely small places, you, you know, small universities you can go to that you can work at or, you know, but most biomedicals and pharmaceutical companies are in cities, and so are universities, especially they're going to pay you to do research. So it really is such a unique opportunity to be able to have a job like this and live in such small remote locations. So that's, 
and I love to travel. So that's what's been awesome. I've been all over the place and this is my career has allowed me to do that. It's really great. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a, a great thing to to end on. And, and thank you very much, Andrea, for sharing your story. So I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Andrea Bailo, for sharing her story of the steps she took to become a quality assurance laboratory manager at the Melvin Brewing Company. I also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today. Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website and on iTunes under Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcasts, for some of our interviews, we've captured the video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore the career path of another biomedical PhD degree holder, which landed them in their current and very exciting non-academic position. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brutkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.